0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Know that elders and others are losing their rights to liberty and property anyone can petition a court to have a person deemed incapacitated what if that person is you the adult guardianship system was created to protect incompetent people and their assets a court appointed guardian sometimes a total stranger can force you into a nursing home and sell your home to pay for services treasured belongings can disappear as you are drugged and isolated from loved ones Why does this happen? Unfortunately, the courts don't have the funding to supervise and audit cases. A guardian makes all decisions on your behalf, taking control of your assets with little accountability. The potential for abuse is frightening. Luckily, not all guardians exploit those under their care, but when they do, there's really nowhere to go for help. The National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, (NASGA) is working to reform adult guardianship to return it to its once noble purpose of protecting the human rights to life, liberty, and property and ending financial exploitation of assets. Are you or your loved ones protected? To learn more, visit StopGuardianAbuse.org. And there I am. Uh,
2: Always forget to unmute. This is Marty Hoekly. Welcome, everybody, to TS Radio. And our show tonight is usually uh, co-hosted with Coscave, and she's busy meeting with the producer. Thank you. And so joining me this evening is Elaine McMahon. And what we're going to be discussing is Elaine's new book that she put out. It's all based on personal experience, and it's called Courtgate, The Courts. Divorced from the Law, Without Liberty or Justice at All. (laughs) It is a very fine title, but we're going to be talking about that and several other things. Um, I want to dispel some rumors that are going around. Yes, I have been offered twice now, again in the last month, to move the show to a big commercial station. All of the shows, actually. Uh, We're not going to be doing that. I don't want to be interrupted with commercials unless it's helping somebody promote something they're doing. I uh, have done. Um, I don't want to sell anything other than like tonight where we hope you'll avail yourself of a copy of this book. But what I'm saying is for commercial advertisers, we're we're not doing that. Uh, we'll promote from within our audience what they've done themselves, the projects they've worked on, but that's the extent of it. And so, no, we are not leaving Blog Talk Radio for the foreseeable future. We'll be staying right here and... Um, Let's see. What else was I wanted to tell you? Oh, um, I need advocates in Florida uh, for a case that's brewing down there for a man who is claimed to have his daughter claims to have power of attorney that she got a year ago. And he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's two years ago. And the neglect and abuse is horrendous. And we need advocates down there that can intervene, help step in and possibly get this man some relief, get him some in-home care, which is what he needs, and uh, get some help there. So if, you, if you're if you anybody to be interested in that, um, this is in the Pompano Beach area. And um, uh, if you'd be interested and you've got the time available, if you'd contact me at PPJ1, and that's the number one, at hush.com. That's ppj1 at hush dot com. I'd be awfully glad to hear from you. Um, oh goodness, we we've been we made another move here, so we just got all hooked back up today and everything, and we've been off air for the last week. So this next week is going to see a tremendous uh, flow of shows as we try to catch everybody up that was. Um, Uh, planned that we had planned for this last week. Now then we're also working on uh, with some people in DC on a task force uh, that will be made up equally of a number of citizens active in this arena and also with several politicians. So we're going to be looking at that and if that really seems to be a workable thing uh too many times it, it just it's just like recently this christ bill came out called the free act <clears throat> where they're trying to play off media attention for Britney Spears and the bill is a sham it does nothing it says nothing there's no crime there's no penalty there's no enforcement there is nothing in that bill they repeat a few things about her case and then say that they maybe need to fund the states to hire more private and public guardians. Yeah, that's what we need, more of these vultures out there. Yeah, that'll fix everything, won't it? Um, this is just, you, people, when these bills come out, I know everybody gets excited, and rightfully so, I guess, see that there's any movement at all, but read the damn bills there is nothing in them i go back again to that 2019 elder justice and protection act which was simply a reiteration of state and federal laws against wire scams against elderly people and male fraud it's the only thing never mentioned the word guardians or corrupt probate judges or any of the other insidious things that happen in probate And uh, but dead in the middle of this bill, they were going to further empower and fund. And here's every agency we fight and 20 more added to it. And this was the same thing with this Crist bill. It does absolutely nothing. It says, yeah, there's problems and we know it. uh, So we're going to hire some more of these people that are creating the problems. That'll fix it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, at some point, these people, not just the probate judges and the guardians and what other predators are running in all of this, but at some point, these people have to be held accountable. And it's going to have to happen in-state. Federally, they are not going to do squat, as we've seen as bill after bill after bill comes out, that is nothing. And I just got another message. I'll take what I can get as I said numerous times. you got nothing. Are you happy with that? You got nothing it just it's- absolutely disgusting anyway. uh, that's all the news I can think of right off the bat, and um, I'll let you know more about the uh Citizens Commission, but we'll we'll have to work on that, and it's going to have to have some teeth in it or it's not going to be worth doing if this is just going to be a front piece. So you say, oh, we've got a commission, and they're working – nah, screw that. Um, it's got to have some teeth in it or we're not, we're not going to support it. With all of that said, the book we're going to be discussing tonight, as I say, it's called Courtgate, The Courts Divorced from the Law. Without liberty or justice at all, by Elaine Mickman And Elaine is co-hosting with me tonight. Elaine, welcome to the show.
3: Oh, hi, Hart. hi, Marty. Good evening, and everyone
2: else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You're so it right is, on um, everything. Just, mm-hmm. Well, Go ahead. That's just, uh, your book. I think lays bare the chronic problem here that there is no law in the court. There is no justice. There is nothing. This is a criminal racket and nobody pays any attention to what the law is or should be or what they should have done. They don't care. There are other interests that are playing into this and the victim is the loser. And it, it yeah. just doesn't make any difference what evidence you have or anything else. Elaine, as a background to your book, which, by the way, I read part of it. I got it just today. I was able to get through part of it. You write quite well. and um, uh, But give everybody a background on what's happened here, what caused you to write this book.
3: Um, well, actually, it's been a long journey for me that I never could have imagined. You know that saying, the truth is stranger than fiction? okay so um my case began back in 2003 and my ex-husband you know he had just deserted the family without any warning never saw this coming there was things and you know there's things when you in hindsight but you know when you get married it's like through thick and thin so you put up with certain things and then uh so he had filed for divorce in 2003 I knew nothing about the law. I mean, you know, just what you hear in general, you know, you know that there's custody, that you have to work out in divorce settlements. All right, but I knew nothing else. And boy, did those lawyers, and the entire court system, they had a field day taking an advantage and exploiting me left and right, charging me all sorts of money. And I just did not know. And I had no support system to really helped me out. My father had recently passed away. My mother was, you know, suffering with her own, you know, she was there for me, but you know, she couldn't do too much. We were there for each other, you know. So anyway, uh, before you know it, this court doesn't waste time. You know, they want to churn up those bills because they're all supported by the lawyers. You know, it's a little system working. They support each other. The lawyers, primarily the lawyers put these judges into office. And and then the judges repay them when they're on the bench with, you know, they repay them through orders, favorable orders. And if you happen to be the party who is either connected or if you're the bigger paying party, you know, through your lawyer, that is, then you seem to prevail. There are instances where it doesn't happen. There are people, I've heard of cases where someone keeps paying and they keep losing. It's a bottomless pit. But typically, most people you would hear that, you know, the other side paid more or something like that. In any event, they dragged my case through the mud year after year. uh, I had to go through custody litigation with, with a husband who didn't even want any custody. He didn't want visitation. He testified in court he didn't want it. So that's the crazy thing in my case. Often you hear about two parents fighting, you know, who's pulling the kids, you know, back and forth. Well, my ex-husband, my husband ex- at the time, husband, he didn't even want visitation. He even withdrew his petition. He had stated that his lawyers told him he should pursue this uh, custody so uh, we must have spent about 10 years litigating custody because those lawyers are churning up a big fat bill and they and it's a, a crazy cycle i was homemaker mom basically dependent on support so uh, my ex husband's paying all his attorney's then ex-husband at the time years ago he had to pay me support And then from my support, the attorneys were grabbing that money from me, you know, taking a a good chunk of it, at least 30, you know, between 30 and 40% of my support was going to the lawyers. And um, and then at the end of my case, uh, they really did a, a real, what I call a judicial hit job and left me with nothing from the court. They gave me nothing. And they basically kicked back my ex-husband. Everything he gave to me was basically, front, he fronted the money, and then they said, well, we'll get the, we'll return that. We'll get it back for you at the end. We'll just give your ex-wife nothing. The kids will owe you child support back, and that is exactly what they did. In my case, the one thing, and I'm not going to say my case is so unique, um, because there's got to be others who have had the same issue. I think one of the things is, in my case, it involved a lot of money, so it sticks out more. Uh, when I say a lot of money, not I mean involving with the child support as well. What they did was put a phony entry into the child support computer system, and I don't think most people realize that child support is very different from the rest of the state laws that apply in a family court case, Tip, most of the issues like custody, divorce, even spouse support, those matters are state laws, and they can be controlled or applied through the state. But when you're talking about child support, they have um, federal laws that apply as well, and that's attached to the Title IV D system, which I know you, already, you know a lot about, Marty, And that falls under the Social Security Act. And the government, the federal government, gives funding, matching funding, based on these child support collections. So, And and it also, that's one of the reasons, uh, because there's an interest with the government, they'll also go pursuing, hunting, you know, federal government will go hunting down people who don't pay child support. And that's even if it's um, phony entries or anything like that. So what the court did was, even though my ex-husband was the one who had control of 100% of our assets, he's the one who was, if you want to call him, the working party because I was the dependent spouse. They ended up reversing the whole thing so that I owed him money. (laughs) And what they they actually uh, reduced my children's support over the course of a number of years, I guess about six years maybe, um, somewhere in about six years, they had my children pay their father uh about two hundred and forty nine thousand dollars. The children had to pay their a ten year old and a thirteen year old had to pay their father hold on, hold on.
2: the kids The kids had to pay their father. The kids,
3: yeah, they did yes, correct. Yes. And I have the proof in my book. I have it there. Nobody I can't get anybody to pay attention. I'll get further down the line, I'll tell you what I've tried. Now they okay. did not write a check. They did not write a check to the father. What they what happened was the uh court or the domestic relations just took away, you know, reduced their support. The amount that they were supposed to get, they just reduced it down. It was like they were garnishing. In other words, the court system garnished their child support. Just like if somebody works and makes, let's say somebody works and makes $50,000 a year and then the court will come in and garnish some of their pay, okay? So that's what they basically did. They were garnishing the child support. So that's how the children paid their father. Now, and when I say the children, you know, it was the child support meant for them. It was, in, you know, based on them. I guess if you want to call me, they garnished it from me because me or the children and either one. the parent, I'm the custodial parent, and I was the custodial parent 100% of the time. Um, because my ex-husband, he fled the country back in uh, December 2002. So I've been raising my children all these years. He didn't want the visitation, as I said. He, he said in the court under testimony one time, he said it in the hallway uh, with both of our attorneys. He said, tell the children I'm dead. I, you can't believe this stuff. And, I mean, I've witnessed this. Anything I have in my book, I either have witnesses or I have the proof by, um, you know, records. So I, I, it's not anything that's fabricated or anything of that sort. And, um, okay. Elaine, finished.
2: Elaine, Elaine, I've got people asking several messages coming in of what state, yes. county, what court was this?
3: Okay, sure. I live in Pennsylvania, and I am in Montgomery County, which is just five minutes left. I'm just five minutes outside Philadelphia. If I look at my back window, it's Philadelphia. So right outside Philadelphia, there's about five different counties that kind of surround Philadelphia. And I could tell you that Pennsylvania does not uh, go by the rule of law at all. And I had multiple cases that ended up being collateral issues, because when you go through this court system and they won't let you out, it's like an endless maze it's a maze with no exit. Uh, you hire attorneys, the attorneys take your money, throw you under the bus, then they turn around and sue you on top of that, like they didn't get enough money from you. And uh, so then you end up with more litigation, collateral, I call, you know, collateral issues. And I could tell you that there is not one case that I had. Uh, the divorce was the beginning of my court saga, if you will, but then I had collateral issues as well, and not one case uh produced a res a, an order or a result that was based on the facts and the laws not one this court will make up lies if the uh, opposing attorney didn't make up fabricate stuff then the court did and well so anyway mm-hmm. that is that and then so what happened with the child support then is after uh when my youngest child was still in high school. He was only, uh, he was 17, his last year of high school. Then the court, or the domestic relations rather, terminated his child support. So you have a minor child, and in Pennsylvania, uh, you child support continues until you're either 18 or until you graduate high school, whichever one comes later. So here I have a kid who's a minor and in school. They cut him off, and I took, whatever normal whatever legal remedy or recourse is available, I did, but it did not matter because everything's ignored, they rubber stamp denied no thank you, we're not interested <laughs> I mean that's just basically how it goes and uh, wow. it, you know and and then um now interesting also in my case was that. Uh, My youngest child is a special needs child. Um, you know, it's all documented. There's no, not, you know, this is not something that's minor either. He had an IEP that was, uh, you know, not a telephone book, but 41 pages in, in 12th grade. So anyone who has a kid who, you know, kids that may be like, let's say, ADD, I'm not discounting anything. You know, they might have an IEP with a few, several pages, but, you know, my son had a lot of uh, support systems in place. And um, here, so when you have a child who is going to graduate high school and they have certain special needs, now this is in Pennsylvania, you can get extended child support. It will continue. And the biggest criteria is if they're, like, not employable because there are lots of people with different uh, disabilities, but they are, let's say, employable. Uh, when they say employable, they mean gainful, where you can maybe support yourself. Uh, so <laughs> I file, uh, the, the court always sends out, six months before graduation, the domestic relations in Pennsylvania sends out an inquiry. It's called an emancipation inquiry. In other words, will you, you know, Is do you object? to your child being emancipated. That means being recognized as an adult, they, their child support will terminate. And I timely filed it, you know, within that same, the same time period, and I said I object, and they're required, required, it's not a discretionary matter, they're required to schedule a proceeding. And then, you know, at that time you would present, you know, records and proof and an argument why the support needs to continue. Well, they did not do that as well. They would not give me that. Now, I tried appealing everything, by the way. Everything in my case, I tried appealing. And the appeals court is nothing more than another rubber stamp. They just, they're not like, you know, they just take care of their judges downstairs at the lower courts. I even went up to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, which is not uh, a second appeal, but it's on a different standard. Like, did the courts, did they make a decision in your case that conflicts with a decision in another county or conflicts with the state law or the Constitution? You know, there are certain criteria, certain standards they look at. For Well, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court rubber stamp denied me. They, they didn't deny the... um Appeal they denied to take it because it's discretionary they are not required to review your case. the superior court is required to allow you a first level appeal however at the end of my case uh, one of my uh when I went through this matter with the child support when my son was uh eighteen uh seventeen rather and he was in twelfth grade and they cut him off um I tried doing everything I needed to and it ended up going to appeals and at the end of it um, they ended up quashing my appeal uh, in May just this last May they didn't even review and the reason they didn't review is because I had yep. records attached that basically imp- it, it identified that bureaucrats and officials used my case to defraud the federal government. If this was a fight between ex-husband and myself, they don't care, they'll review it. But when you implicate the government or their buddies and friends and their family, they can't let that go before, they're not gonna have it on record. They have two choices. They either have to grant you an appeal and reverse everything, or they have to keep you out of court to not let it be on the record. And that is what they did. They not only quashed my appeal and wrote an order that I can never file again ever for child support. They also wrote in their order I can't even appeal it. And in the okay, Pennsylvania Constitution, that has <laughs> How could
2: how can they I don't understand and maybe this is what we're talking about. How can they yeah. refuse to review it to begin with and then they can. tell you you can't file again of uh, or appeal. Why can't, I can't you appeal.
0: file again? Oh,
2: because
3: yeah. Because they mother may. It's mother may. Cause they said so. Now in Pennsylvania, there is no reason because they said so. In child support, by the way, there are some people who say, "Oh, this is vexatious." In other words, you keep going in and out of court and bothering them. No, child support and child has always modifiable. And in the state of Pennsylvania, they even have a rule that. Per text, you you it's it specifically excludes family court matters like this because certain things are always modifiable. Now it could always be changed for some for a change of circumstance. So whether it's child custody or child support, and I believe uh, it may fall in there with uh, like alimony or temporary alimony, there are things that are always modifiable for changes of circumstance. Yet they they denied me. And interesting is that there's actually another law in Pennsylvania. It's their internal operating procedures uh, that most people don't even look at because they're not working within the system. They are just parties. Uh, There's a rule. It's 210, Pennsylvania, 63.1. And in that rule, it specifically states that the judiciary cannot uh, diminish, cre- They can't create or diminish any rights, substantive or procedural. So they have in the very own rules that they cannot create or diminish rights. They write an order to uh, order, They what I say is they ordered away my rights. And, you know, what they're kind of doing here, and I'm not the only one, Marty. I know other people, okay? Who they did this to. Now some people will complain their rights are being violated. Okay, and I and I hear that, but this is a step further. This is they ordered away my rights that I don't even have the right. They reduced me to less than a human. Um, back in the uh, days of uh, a lot, of, I don't know who knows what, but there was a case from the 1800s. There was a Man, He was a former, uh, a freed black slave, an African-American slave. And he was, and this is, I'm not bringing any, this is nothing about racial. I'm just saying, well, hear me out and I'll further explain. So when he had some kind of case he filed in court, and the result of it was the court said, well, you might have a case, but guess what? You're not allowed into court. And there, the excuse then was they were using it as that he was a, a former slave. So they were tearing his personhood. They were, you know, reducing him to less than a regular 100% human being. Okay. And they never even made a, a reversal in that case, by the way. But what we have was the 13th and the 14th Amendment, which was supposed to prevent that type of thing from happening again. And so what I'm saying in my book is the courts are basically returning to a, a rebranded Dred Scott. It's not maybe because you're a former slave, because that's not the case anymore. But they're targeting certain people, you know, for whatever their reason, and they're deciding, we're not letting you go into court. We're not letting you. You can't even get into the court. We're taking away your access to the court. This is not about violating the rights. This is about we took your rights away. They completely removed them. And, you know, a lot of people don't want, especially during today's political climate, when you make a remark, they get, you know, all excited here. Like, wait a minute, we don't want to hear this. But this is what the courts are doing. They're returning to a very uh, horrible time in our country's history where they're, it's maybe not the same target. What they're doing is the same thing, keeping people out of court. And there's no, in, in, like in Pennsylvania where I live, they're violating their own rules. It's not just that one rule I read, but they have the General Assembly, the, the uh, legislators even have something, a rule where you cannot, um, I wrote the number, I forget what it was now, 4902, I forget. It was, it says declaration that you're allowed redress into court. That's where you address your legal issues, your grievances. Yet, no, they took away my right. And uh, I mean, there's other laws as well. And this is what's going on here in Pennsylvania. But of course, we already know how. Koz had her experience here in the same court, Montgomery County. Montgomery County is where they uh, they uh, tried uh, the Kathleen, a former Attorney General, Kathleen Kane. And she doesn't live here. She doesn't work here. Well, how about that? They tried her here and, you know, sent her to prison because she was trying to, uh, you know, stop corruption and she stepped on some toes there because some of those people want that corruption. They earn their living by corruption. (laughs) So, so they
2: didn't like that. That's (laughs) a very, it's a very, very honest statement. They earn their living. Via corruption, yeah, crooks And right. if you, you know, For you sure. stop. And, yeah, yeah it, Elaine, if they put as much energy into doing the right thing, but they don't. It's like I, I don't know what what gets into people that doing the wrong thing and profiting from it, especially. But where is the gratification in that? The satisfaction, but obviously it's everywhere because. Um, Look at all these predators out there, yeah, and I tell you, in these days, yes, and these days and times, mm-hmm. yes, and mm-hmm. days and times it, it to me, um, it, it's almost like wearing a scarlet letter if you're a judge. They're they're held mm-hmm. in such low esteem. They're not trusted. Um, people do not respect them. It just they don't believe what they say. I mean, this is how far down the pipes this has gone. Yeah. These used to and be the, the pillars right. of society.
3: Yeah, go ahead. And it's because of their conduct. It's because of their conduct that that they created their own image by the way they um, are behaving or misbehaving, if you will. Um, there is uh, no equal protection at the law, and I can say in Pennsylvania they call it the Pennsylvania Unified Judicial System. Well. What I could tell you, the one thing they are consistent with is being inconsistent. <laughs> they are in, they are consistently inconsistent with their rulings. They will rule one, they will rule some way in a case, and somebody comes along with the identical set of circumstances and issues, and they rule the other way. And that's the one thing they're not supposed to do. That's why you are have the, are supposed to have the ability to go to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Um, But no, not in this. This is, uh, I call it courtzilla also. It's just a total circle of corruption. There's no effective judicial accountability. These judges, the court operates as a monopoly with limitless power, and there's one atrocity after the next. Um, They justify the unjustifiable. They... uh, Perfect injustice, and um, gee, I don't, you know, I don't know where we're going to go. Oh, by the way, last week, I think it was last week, I had seen an article on the news, and it actually had a Justice Thomas made a remark. He stated to the effect he was stating that the court has uh basically become a really dangerous branch of government, so this is. The U.S. Supreme Court Justice Thomas, even he has made a remark, you know, viewing things himself. And these courts, they see all kinds of cases coming before them. And, And they know, you know, they're just not doing the right thing. They are not doing the right thing. And I would say, you know, just stay out of these courts if you don't have to. I didn't get a choice. I didn't have an option because, My ex-husband would not settle. I couldn't speak with him or anything like that. I had no contact. He just like disappeared, and um, and you know the court, the 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 lawyers were dictating everything, and he just kept writing it, you know, writing out checks and paying them, and so I didn't get that choice. But if anyone has a choice, you know, just don't go to that court because the court is nothing more than a business. We think it's a branch of government. That's going to right. be impartial. It's not. Right. It is a business. You pay fees for just about everything you do. And the more trouble they cause you and the more that your problems do not get resolved, the more you have to keep paying. You know, you just keep getting oh. further in and further in. So, and these, the rules that they're supposed to rule, the, the laws and the rules. They are nothing more than, let's say, a suggestion, a handy convenience for the judge if they decide to use it for something they want to apply it to. But you can't rely on the law. All the facts in my case and all the laws, if you want to say favored me, and I end up with zero. Ex-husband gets 100% of the marital assets, I'm in near thirty year marriage, I have five children that I raised. I was a stay at home mom. Uh, I did graduate college, but you know I ended up becoming the stay at home mom and uh, you know how how can you how, how can even parents two parents of their own welfare? there's usually something to divide, and they I, I got zero absolutely zero no child support, and I told you the result with the child support and they they're right. shown on the records they are, they have the court system, they have the court computer system looking like I still owe my ex-husband over three hundred thousand dollars. They have that system just, all they have to do yeah they can just they tamper with the system, all they have to do is type in anything, and what's really terrible is they do this in other uh areas of the government too. We, you, you know, we're uh-huh. just. You can go to your. Um, it could be the county food stamps. They can type anything in there they want. They can type stuff in there, and they will have you owing them food stamps back. This is what's going oh on, my gosh. And there's no, Yes, yes, it's happening, and there's no oversight. There's nobody to go to. It's a vicious circle. Uh, so we are in really dangerous times now. And, uh, you know, so I'm not sure where this will go. And, you know, the the other thing that I had brought to the attention in my, like, last filing where they knew they had to shut me down was I had proof of records. They never figured I'd find this one. The court was maintaining two separate sets of income records for my ex-husband. The one set oh. is the one where... Yeah, every time I went to a hearing, oh, you know, they say this is how much your ex-husband makes. You know, he's crying. He's he has no money, and
0: <laughs>
3: and then yeah. so they can write these small child support orders, and then and then on top of that, they were uh, garnishing uh, a lot of it to give him money back, kick, give him a kickback. But then I happened to find another record, with, so I printed right from the computer that's in the court. You know, it's for the public. It's open to the public. Uh Right from their computer, and it is a record from another government place showing what his income was. And I thought, isn't that interesting? While I'm sitting in, uh, like, certain years, I'm sitting in the domestic relations office or having a hearing or something for the child support, and they're putting down X amount of dollars that he makes and then I have the other records showing, oh, no, no. He was making, I don't know, 20, 10, 20, 30 times. Well, you know, my ex-husband was making $4.5 million a year, and they'd be saying, oh, he makes like 150000 oh, a year or wow. something. I mean, it was an excessive amount of money. And, I, you know, in my book I have in there where he testified in the transcript, That this is his back. this is in February of 2012. He had stated that he had paid out five million dollars for legal fees and things. Now,
2: oh really? how
3: he, Yeah, how could he have had five million of legal fees at the time? And we both had attorneys that were kind of the same price ranges. His attorneys were, you know, filing away, but his legal bills could have been twice. How could his legal be, bills be five six times my bills? They could not the yeah. only way the only way is if there's a big chunk of money going somewhere else <laughs> right. you know if money right. was being funded through the lawyers, you know, and I can't let's say prove that, but wh- what's the explanation for him having bills mine uh that it's not possible unless hes now then, right. it's, uh, bringing me up to 2018, uh, when I had some kind of an appeal pending, I get these two different letters from two different Pennsylvania Supreme Court justices, and indicating mm-hmm. that um, they received like in-kind gifts and contributions from the other side. Now they go through the lawyers. Oh. So, but here's the interesting thing. Think about it. All the lawyers all the law, primarily the lawyers are donating to these judges. That would mean every person who has an appeal from a, you know, using a lawyer, they'd all be getting letters, but that's not happening. Right. Uh, I I got a letter. There was the celebrity, um, a music guy, uh, a rapper, a music rapper guy. There was a letter that he Uh received because he's the one that was (laughs) spending big money with a big law firm. So In other words, why would they have sent me those letters if it didn't matter and mean anything? They would send everybody a letter who had a lawyer because all the lawyers are donating, but they're not. And that's because there's people giving out big donations or gifts and they're buying court orders. Uh, Interesting also, another thing that I have that really was compelling, another, if you want to call it a smoking gun, is that a number of years ago, my child support case actually did go to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court and it was actually televised. I didn't know at the time. I wasn't at the proceeding. Only the attorney went to the court hearing and this was at the, in, I guess in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And I just happened to have the TV on flip by the channels and I see my lawyer and then I like watching closer. It's like, oh my gosh, they're talking about my case. And I end up buying. I called the TV station and bought a video of it. Well, in this, I couldn't do too much at the time, but my ex-husband's attorney, so I have him on video, where he's telling the court that they're not going to put some whopping credit onto the computer system for money that my ex-husband never paid. They're not going to do that. Well, guess what? He had already done it. It was already in the system. That's that money, that big chunk. It was... um, They put $550,000 credit onto the computer system in the child support uh, matter for money that my ex-husband never paid for child support. He never sent it in. It was never dispersed to me, and it's in violation of regulations. Okay, so the state can be penalized for this. They're not allowed to go messing with the computer system. And I couldn't do much about it until my youngest child became – until they terminated it to prove the result. Because at any time, if they keep modifying the childhood order, it could have adjusted it where it would have worked out. So then I tried to bring this to their attention, like, what are you kidding me? And it was a difficult thing to – I had a video, but how do you put that on a piece of paper? And then I was told by someone, well, you could actually – take the video and have a link made from it, and I ended up doing that, and I put the link into my filing. So in other words, all they had to do is look at the link, and they can type that link into the computer, and they could watch my ex-husband's attorney lying through his teeth telling the court they're not going to do this when they already did. And I tried to bring it to the attention because attorneys are officers of the court. And so they cannot lie about a factual thing like that, so what they he he did something what's called place fraud on the court, and that is when you actually change you you interfere with the machinery of the court with their operation by him lying, and that's how we ended up with this result. yet you would think somebody would be interested and so far, I can't find any uh, agency or government entity that's interested. The Attorney General, who took over after Kathleen Kane was forced out, the Attorney General used to be the commissioner in Montgomery County. He knew about this matter with my child support because I contacted the office when he was, before he became the Attorney General. So he won't do anything. I even contacted the U.S. Attorney's Office. Oh, he's not, he, they said, send me the proof. I sent him the proof. Then they blocked my phone and they, they didn't do anything. And now he is running for governor now. He announced he's running for governor. So now he will become in charge of the Title 4 d contract because that's who's in charge of it, the governor of your state. So the very person who could have done something because it falls under Basically, it's a false claims matter. Uh, when people are getting money from the government and it's fraudulent uh, from, a, like, a grant, it's, it's false claims. Uh, typically, it's private parties who they go after for fraud, but in this case, it's the county. So what has happened is there's a cover-up. Nobody will take action because they're protecting officials and bureaucrats. And it includes the Governor, because he's in charge of the contract, and I, and I've had uh, i had a conference with the Governor's chief of staff a few years back, and they wouldn't do anything either. so wow. this is a really dang- this is very dangerous because child support you can't go to bankruptcy court and you know discharge it uh, right. you, you, and they can take all sorts of action. Even if you can't um, afford to pay something, in Montgomery County, they will put you in the slammer. So you can be yes. on disability, you know, you could be on welfare. The, the rule says that you're not in willful contempt if you have the money and you have the ability to pay and you choose not to. But what's happening is they don't care. They're saying pay the money or else. Okay, that's how they're operating in Montgomery County. I'm not telling you the rest of the counties because I do not know.
0: Yeah.
3: And they can put, when they put you in jail for contempt, that could be for life. They don't have guidelines. If you rob a bank, if you rob a bank, there's like guidelines how long you can be in jail. But contempt, oh, they could throw you in the slammer for life. So this is really, really dangerous times. We have no oversight. And we, well, and on that uh, to... mm-hmm.
2: go ahead. child support collection, too, uh, when they collect child support and you have to pay it through the state for them to recognize it, they get a dollar for dollar matching fund. Now, if you're mm-hmm. in arrears and they catch up with you and you pay up all that you owe, two dollars matching funds go straight into the general yeah. treasury. And if you are in jail because of child support, the child support keeps racking up. And until somebody comes in and pays that amount they claim you owe at that moment, you stay in jail. And it yeah. just keeps racking up. But if they collect mm-hmm. on a purge, they get $3 per dollar matching mm-hmm. funds straight into the state treasury. It is a money maker for the states. Plus, they make Absolutely. money on the prison time. And um, mm-hmm. so, and it's it's a way of trafficking your kids, and uh, yep. they make money off exactly. it. But they try to paint it, make it look like they're doing a good deed. And I agree, child support should be paid. Just because you get a divorce doesn't mean you're off the hook for your kids. And right. but it should be paid. But it should not be this this mill. And apparently, what you're going through, I'm still trying to get past your kids being having to pay him back child <laughs> support that he never paid. <laughs> I, I'm sorry really? I'm just it's stuck there
3: I have rec- I, hey Marty um, if you, <laughs> I didn't put all the records in there but the one record I did put in there was the where they did the entry the phony entry in there I put it on I should go look what page I have it on it, it I put like lines around it the show and if you look at the page you would see where they put entries in there but there was no check there's no like there's columns there's uh, there's no columns where it was collected. There's no column where they dispersed it. There's They have one, two, three, four, what, four or five columns. It only shows where they typed in. and it, And, you know, they typed in multiple entries. They didn't even put one chunk in there. So, and by the way, it oh, was wow. the domestic, and it was the domestic relations director who did this. So we know who did the crime here. Because he sealed my case so that no workers, no employees would have access to my case. You know, in case there's a disgruntled employee, they didn't want to take a chance. He didn't want to take a chance that anybody would blow the whistle. Uh, and yeah. So he did this. And now he, uh, he after he did this in my case, uh, then he retired July 2019. Aww. And now he's working in Lancaster County. So Good luck, Lancaster County. Oh yeah. Good luck, (laughs) Lancaster County. (laughs) He's back in the saddle, right? So I mean and I by the way, Marty, I used to go I used to go to these commissioner meetings. So we don't live I don't live in the city, so we have commissioners for the county. We have three commissioners and I used to go to these meetings oh, must have been over well over two years, two and a half years uh every other Thursday they have these meetings, and um, and I would – and they were televised, by the way, and they're still on, their, they're on the yeah. site. You can, like, look it up, and they keep them on there, archive it. And I said, um, you know, you keep funding – I would say to them, you're funding the court when you know I brought complaints. So the commissioners are in charge of, like, you know, paying everyone who works for the county. They're not paying them, you know, uh-huh. personally, but they're in charge of yeah. the budget and all that. They have to vote on all that sort of stuff. And so I would go right. there and make complaints because you know, they allow these general comments to be made at the end of a meeting. And, right. uh, you know, they would they would take no action. And some of the people that they – some some of the employees that work in the courthouse or the domestic relations, some of them are county employees. Others are state employees. But they certainly had the ability to deal with some of these things. Uh, They certainly had the ability to uh, defund the court. I hate, you know, they're all talking, everyone, oh, defund the police. Well, how about defunding these judges, the court, when they're not operating in compliance with the law? And out in California, the one thing that they, for I don't know what's going on on a daily basis, but a, a couple of years back, I know that, uh, one of the ways they got the judges to sort of, uh, agree to something with the judicial complaints, they were allowed to be audited. So if you filed a complaint at their conduct board and it was dismissed, that complaint could be audited and reviewed. Uh, I don't know who did the reviewing, some independent, uh-huh. uh, entity. And the judges didn't want to let it go through, but the Senate, the state Senate there, Held up their budget. They said, you want your budget, you want your budget passed, judges, then you better allow for this. So the judges agreed to be audited. So I had asked for the same thing here. I can't get one legislator in this entire state, not one state rep. None of the federal level people will take action. They will not make any adjustments. In fact, the, uh, the head of the, to or the the Judicial Committee, the state senator in Pennsylvania who's in charge of the Judicial Committee had the nerve to say not only, uh, well, she said it to her employees. To me and also to my state senator, she said she thinks the judiciary is just fine. And my response, yeah, my response is oh, well, then why don't you step down from that job and let somebody who has the job who wants to actually, you know, make some improvements. If she thinks it's just fine and there's no problem, what are you sitting there blocking other reform from somebody who does want the job and who will take care of what needs to get done? And, you know, there's a lot of things they need to do. Um, The judicial conduct boards are dysfunctional, they're ineffective. They need term limits for these judges, not 10-year terms. Um, there's no transparency when they run for reelection. Nobody knows about all the right. complaints that are filed against them. Uh, you know, these terms shouldn't be more than five or six years and limit it to one term. If you put these people in office for life, you know, forever and ever, they make too many connections. They have too much power. And it just gets worse and worse the longer they're there. They really yeah. Marty they need to uh, reduce their retirement age. Now I'm not saying everybody in the country has to be retired at a certain age, but think about this. You have a judge who's sitting on the bench. We don't know their condition. People have onset right. of the issues and the onset doesn't mean that you're completely not capable but through the but right. maybe maybe you're good for a few hours. But well, do you want that judge on your case? Because my judge who sat on the, tr- the judge who sat on my case for my divorce, he fell asleep on the bench. He was asleep, fell asleep. Oh, good God. Uh, and this is for real. My attorney had to, nobody, you know, they were afraid to, they were embarrassed to say something. So my judge just blurted out real loud, judge, can we have a recess? Like hoping it would wake him up. And the judge was, <laughs> 66 years old at the time. He is still a judge there. He's a senior judge. Oh, my he's God. 70, yeah, he's 78 years old, and he's still there. He doesn't have the same caseload. They're limited. Um, but they increased the age for retirement from 70 to 75 by tricking the public. And uh, the way oh, wow. it was voted on, that nobody in nobody in the state, understood that the retirement age was 70 for a judge. And they put on the voting ballot, should we limit the age of retirement to 75? Most of the people didn't realize that they were voting to increase the retirement age. They wrote it in a... It was trickery. And it was even written about in the newspaper that it was, you know, it's trickery. And these judges... Now, Marty, who who wants to be working all these kind of hours at that age? I mean, don't don't yeah. people want to be at a golf course on vacation, enjoying doing whatever they want? <laughs> really, yeah, land somewhere, you know,
2: taking it easy, yeah,
3: yeah, like yeah. So much, I mean, only somebody who want they want that immunity. They want to go straight from the court mm-hmm. to the coffin. Court to coffin to always have that immunity. These judges should have to have malpractice insurance. Um, yeah, you know, they I, and and why is it why is it that when a judge does get caught occasionally, and it, and it's got to be pretty bad, uh, like we had this scandal called PornGate uh, about six years ago or something, where the judges got caught, they were sharing emailing pornography around on the government yes. on our the computers. And so the one judge kind of was really forced to like he didn't even want to, but he was kind of forced to uh, resign, if you want to call it or retire. Well, mm-hmm. he even though he is resigned or retired, he reti- he left with a big fat pension and all his benefits. Uh huh. And then and then about a year later, he took on another job as being like a. Uh, some sort of uh, mediator or arbitrator or something like that. You know, it might have been like a private Mm -hmm. type of thing where he took a, you know, something where people agreed to arbitration and he might have been like an arbitrator. But he didn't lose his whole life. Now, my job was homemaker, mom, domestic manager, all those sort of uh, whole laundry list of jobs that I did, employed by if you want to call it my children and ex-husband. I didn't get a paycheck. My retirement was, let's say, if you want to call it divorce settlement, because everything was in our businesses and so forth. So when I got a divorce, that was like getting fired. I, got, I didn't get my pension. I didn't get anything. So what entitles right. these judges, do, if they get, if you want to call it fired, resigned, retired, pick any label you want. They get to leave. They don't forfeit anything. Um, and then, no. my, and my ex-husband files for divorce, and he absconds and leaves the country, and he has everything, and I'm left with the kids, taking care of these kids. For I took care of my kids since December or November two thousand and two, one hundred percent of the time. And then they didn't. They wouldn't even give my kids like child support after the age of ten and thirteen and this is this is what's going on here. It's just horrendous, and I will wow. also say, do you know the worse you're the the worse you're treated the well typically the more perfect a person is, or the better you are, like you have no strikes, the more mud they throw at you to tarnish your reputation. Uh right. how, to try and justify. You know, just like in the guardianship where somebody might get sick or something but they're not incapacitated and then they right. tarnish them record and make them, you know, they create something. Yes. They have to create something to, yes. to justify what they're doing, stealing all their money, mm-hmm. you know. And it's the same yep. practice here. But, um yeah, the children, they usually, the first the first order of business is to use those children to run up big bills and, um, you know, they do all sorts of stuff. Listen, I don't, I don't talk about a whole – I kind of leave water under the bridge with what happened with my children, but what they did was unconscionable, threatened my kids to such an extent, and I'll tell you where it really kind of – there was two incidents that really stopped all that custody nonsense from that stopped them in their tracks. One was that uh, my ch- my youngest, when he was, I guess, in nine, he was about nine years old or so. Uh, I think it was in, he was still in fourth grade, and they were trying to run up a big tab, huge tab. They were saying this, that there was nothing wrong with him. Uh, that the only reason he acted a certain way, they tried to push the blame on me. Yet the school was saying uh-huh. no, no, no. The school had all all sorts of records. My son's in the autistic spectrum. Okay, and okay. Um, and when they're and the kids are younger, it's sometimes their behaviors. It's hard for them to communicate, which really causes a lot of frustration in the kids. Uh, you don't right. realize how uh, how difficult it is for them to communicate. They're not stupid or anything like that. Um, they just don't process things exactly the same, and so it can create an issue. But in any event, so the These guardian ad they think they're going to cause all kinds of problems, run up all kinds of bills for me privately. They were running in and out of the public school, telling the schools what to do. They even, they tried to interfere with our summer vacation by trying, they forced the school. They twisted their arm. How did they do it? Because one of the attorneys, my ex-husband's attorney, my ex-husband's attorney was friends with another attorney who was on the school board. So these, this came from the top. How do I know? The school principal took me in her office, closed the door, and said to me, your son doesn't need these services. Here's the proof. Here's these, here's our records right here. Your son doesn't need it. This is coming from upstairs, in other words, from the superintendent. The superintendent was taken, uh-huh. uh, being bossed around by the, um, school board, okay, which was one of the lawyers uh-huh. that made, made the connection here. Meantime, they forced this one, uh, if you want to call it an expert, onto my son. It was supposed to be for summer uh, services. My son, which my son did not need, as the principal said. But I, you know, what are you going to do? So meantime, these are supposed to be services for people for certain students who will forget things if they don't continue schooling. My son did not have that problem. They just wanted to interfere with our summer vacation because they didn't even. Uh, try for the services when they were supposed to. It's one right after school's finished. They waited until August when the services are normally finished, and we were going to go on vacation. They did it the day I was supposed to leave on the vacation. But what we found out was this guy was running into the school multiple times. I don't know how many times because they weren't sharing all the information with me. So first or. I guess they're billing the federal government for these services, the school district. But this guy was probably also billing me privately as well. He was sending the bills through the guardian aditum. And they he wasn't allowed to be running into that school because he was only for summer services, not for during the school year. Well, one right. time is okay to You can meet the child, go in there one time, but that's it. And I was complaining about the guys trying to interfere with our summer vacation. He, he has the whole summer, and he's waiting until we're going on vacation. Well, the special ed bureau in at the Capitol in Harrisburg, she was a very nice woman, and she felt sympathetic, and she, you know, this particular sh- issue she looked into. Well, it turns back, she gets back to me, and she says, well, He was not even licensed to go in there. In fact, he's a sex therapist. So they're sending a sex therapist to a nine-year-old child into school, billing the government, billing me, and that guy was gone with the wind after that. (laughs) I don't know what happened. I was just just so happy that we were rid of him. That was one incident. Another incident was with my daughter where staged something and my daughter was physically injured. Um, and my daughter, one of her friends gave her a uh, like an iPod thing. And she recorded uh-huh. a lot of different things. So this one psychologist, expert, so-called, that was forced on us. We didn't uh, pick this. We didn't ask for this. She did indicate to my daughter that this is about to get money from mom, like so that it could – my divorce settlement. It was all nothing more than money and uh, what they did to my daughter was horrible. They would lock her in rooms all the time and threaten her and make her you know, if she didn't say, if she would not make anything up bad about me, they were going to hound her to death and I had brought witnesses with me different times. I wouldn't take my kids without bringing people with me to witness what was going on. You couldn't believe this. That was good, yeah. I mean, I did it, and then, well, until until a judge ended up writing an order, you're not allowed to have anybody with you. <laughs> he did that because they oh. knew I had witnesses that had witnesses to everything. Um, you right. know, I brought different people. My brother went a few times. I had a, a, an advocate who came with me, uh, looking out for my son, my younger child, and you know, this this is hard. What they what my kids went through was horrible. These people went into a public school directing these teachers, using it for private custody litigation during school hours, and they had contacted the doctors. Uh, My kids were not permitted to go to a doctor or a dentist without permission of these guardians. It was just like they do with the, you know, with the guardianship stuff. Uh, And one time the school called me. They said, you got to come get your son. He's crying hysterical took him to, straight to the doctor, and he had a sinus infection, and the doctor gave him an antibiotic. And this guardian, i him, or whatever, uh, she was, uh, I don't know, a whopping, what, 35 years old? I think she had just had her first baby. She wasn't a school teacher, She wasn't a psychologist. She wasn't a doctor. She thought she was going to tell the doctor. A grown woman who's been a doctor. I don't know how she's older than me, Marty.
0: <laughs> <But>
3: she <laughs> a doctor.
0: She,
3: she had four kids of her own, or five. Uh, yeah, I think four kids that were all grown. She, that doctor, the doctor told me that she told, she told off the guardian at Laiden. Don't you tell me how to be a doctor? And um, you know, they sh- she shut her up. Thank God I had a doctor. You know, the pediatrician. Yeah. Who, uh, who had some backbone, you know. I was lucky wow. a couple of times because uh, most of the people just rolled over and did anything. These guardian ad they sent a letter to three or four different police stations surrounding my area saying to not show up if I ever called them because there was domestic violence in our case. And um, and oh. when my kids were younger, by the way, my children had my ex husband had lost them, the children, multiple times, even when he had supervised them. Lost visit. them. Oh, he lost he them lost a few them? times. Yeah. a few times he lost them. He uh one time he lost my son for half an hour at the zoo. My son was like trying to climb in with the bears. My daughter told me. Oh my god! And she was. Uh, and she he was two years old. My daughter was five, and Ex-husband and the uh, supervisor said, don't tell mommy. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, another time mom. my son was injured. My son was returned to me. He was just on his, like, third birthday with a bloody fat lip. And I said, what happened to him? And he said, you did it. I said, what are you talking about? It was with you. <laughs> How could I do this? Are you crazy?
0: Yeah.
3: I mean, this is craziness, this stuff that happened. And after that incident, my ex-husband withdrew any kind of custody petition, and he did not want to see the kids. He, was, he knew he was not in condition to see him. He didn't want to deal with it. He, 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 he told the court he didn't want visitation or custody, and lawyers are the ones who forced it on him, and even when he had visitations, there were different times, he didn't show up, and so most throughout most of my case, he wasn't in the picture. My ex-husband had some visitation for maybe about I don't know about six months or so in the very beginning, way back in two thousand and three, and then uh, he withdrew that petition. He he knew, you know, he, wow. he didn't want to see them. That's However, that's your,
2: has 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 he seen the kids at all now? I mean, at this point um, in time,
3: no. Oh no, 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 no. So no, and I could tell you that when there's this custody involved, the first thing they can't wait to do is blame the other parent for alienation. And that's certainly not the case in my case. Uh, in fact, when my father-in-law was was dying, uh, this is in 2018, uh, I had taken my son, I guess it was October 2018, to see the grandfather in the hospital. Uh, the grandfather hadn't seen my kids all throughout the divorce stuff for years. He only saw, my mother-in-law was already passed away, but um, he, my son saw his grandfather for the first time that he ever could remember. Uh, in uh, I think it was in June of 2018. There was a birthday party for my father-in-law and he was, you know, very old. He was like, I think he was turning 91.
0: And
3: then uh my he didn't see him until he was going to pass away and I took my son to see him because I thought the coast was clear ex-husband I was told he doesn't come into the country anymore well my ex-husband came charging through the hospital hallway doors and he tells his sister who was with him get rid of him." and my son heard that I'm telling you Marty there's nothing I ever could have said or done I would never have yeah anyway to my children but they're seeing is believing is what I'm telling you. When kids see stuff yeah. with their own eyes and hear it uh, you know, he'll never wonder or question anything because listen, my kids right. didn't see him. They must have been thinking throughout the years. Oh, it's maybe it's because dad doesn't see us because of mom. No, it wasn't me. I had nothing to do with me. No, nah, no. Nah. But anyway, Marty, do you have questions? I that you, would
2: yeah, uh, you know, yeah, uh, and I know you've gone everywhere in the world trying to get exposure on this, and you've gone to, I know, state senators and reps and everything else, and the idea that all this has gone on, it is a blatant right, uh, violation of your rights, your right to access the courts, your you know, to redress, uh, the idea that your children were charged child support. To repay their father what was the I can't even imagine what kind of limp excuse they used for that well how did they get away with that
3: the way they're getting away with it is by silence and golden this is one of the reasons you asked me about the book well if you know the public needs to be informed they need to know what's going on I, in one sense like I don't want it to, you know. I felt like, well, writing my book is just telling another sob story, right? Who wants to hear a sob story? But I was really trying my best, and this is the first book I wrote, and I'm not a professional reader, but I was trying to point out the different laws that were being violated. And I real, and by the way, every state has their own laws regarding custody and all divorce. But I was just yeah. trying to point out, like. All the violations, and the thing is, if nobody ever, you know, blows the whistle, then they nobody. The first thing, order of business is bringing it, put you know, making it transparent, putting yeah. the spotlight on it. You got to put the spotlight on it, else nobody even knows about it. Uh, and and right. I'll tell you, with the divorce cases, it nothing turns anybody off more than hearing. Oh, something from domestic, you know, divorce case. Because they think half yeah. the country gets divorced. And ha- who wants to hear your sob story? Well, I really didn't want to make mine about, like, divorce because there really wasn't even a whole lot that going on that even prompted a divorce because my ex-husband left without warning never saw it coming. It was, I was really trying to take, in the book, point out What in the world is going on with this court? How they operate? I mean, the first thing they do is they, they want to, they do a money biopsy, you know? Like they want to, it's discovery. We want to know where your money's at. Take us to your treasure, you know, they want you to give them a treasure map. Take us, tell us where (laughs) all, remember Martin? Remember the steak dinner? With those, um, remember you told me about the steak dinner? Oh, we'll give you a free steak dinner. Tell me where all your money's at. Which bank is? <laughs> well, this is what they do. Tell me where all your money's at and and make it real nice and easy so they can go right for your money and attach it, okay, or, or, you know, threaten you. Oh, you don't give me the money from that account or this CD or whatever. Okay, so then, um, and then they start running up a bill. They look at your case. They evaluate it. oh your kids are teenagers. Well, I don't got too much time left, so I better make the best of it. Oh, you got little kids? Wow, I got 15 or 18 years to keep running up a bill of custody. And then they then they bring in their experts. They call them experts uh, or professionals. I call them unprofessionals. In fact, I think I told you a couple, um, in the book, actually, uh, two of them actually sexually harassed me. And you know what? All these people that are court-appointed, they have immunity. They can rape you. They can do anything. You can not even file a complaint against them. And if you go to file a criminal complaint with the police, and they find out you have a divorce case going on, they will tell. They tell you that family court judge. Can you imagine? You can't eat. <laughs> That's how bad it is. Uh, all right. So they. Um, You know, they bring these experts in. They run up bills. They have you in and out of these um, appointments forever and ever. And then comes the decision maybe in your case. And in my case, what happened was they didn't have one blessed thing, not one strike on me, not one excuse, not one reason to deny me a divorce settlement or child support. So they had to create one. So, the judge holds off on making a decision in my divorce for fifteen months, and what that's when they brought a, a bunch of experts in to try and create create a reason. the reason they create it is not even part of the law. You can be the worst person on earth, and that has nothing to do with making it just, uh dividing your marital assets um If you happen to be a spouse that, let's say, cheated on the other spouse, they can use that to keep you from having uh, support, like alimony. But that has nothing to do with child support. It has nothing to do with your marital assets. So they just use it as an excuse anyway. um, In my case, I had my plan B because I was half owner of the corporation with my ex-husband. Well, they weren't going to let that happen. They had a fit when I filed you know it retained a law firm for that but that went south too because all the lawyers do is run up a bill and stab you in the back throw you under the bus back over you uh everyone you know they were liars all of them uh i wrote about that in the book and you know when i say that i don't just say it lightly either and anything i'm saying i have records that support it that prove everything um and then um you know I basically talk about how they covered everything up you know how how they got away with this with bordering away my constitutional rights and um you know and I really you know I I at some point I will update the book again uh you know it's so recent that I didn't you know and one of the things I will point out is a lot of people write their books after their case is completely over. And my case, I guess it's mostly over, but there's some issues that I'm still, you know, trying to get some kind of resolution in some way or something. But it was very, it was also a challenge writing the book side by side with writing all these different appeals. And no attorneys, by the way, in Pennsylvania, uh, when you're dealing with family court, the attorneys by law, they're not allowed to represent you unless you pay them. They can't take a case on contingency. So if you have one spouse who doesn't have income, you can't even hire an attorney. This is ridiculous. So my husband had full control of our marital assets, our business, so he had his hands on, you know, all the bank money, everything, and he was free to hire teams of attorneys. And on the other hand, me, you know, I had to hand out whatever temporary support I had at the time, and then when they cut off my support, I had no money to pay attorneys. And there's no free legal aid, um, certainly not where I live, that will represent you in any of these matters. In fact, in my county, in Montgomery County, they only represent people for landlord-tenant issues. Um, And, you know, so that is what That's how the court gets away with things. They already know there's nothing in place to protect anybody. They know they have such a big network and web, there is nobody to go to. You go to the police, they say, we're not getting involved with that. You take it to your judge. If you go to the attorney general, they won't get involved. If you go to, no matter who you go to, you can go to ethics boards, oh, the only thing they'll look at, you've got to show them proof that somebody took a bribe. If you go to the Judicial Conduct Board, well, the Judicial Conduct Board will tell you they do not investigate any uh, wrongdoing by a judge unless it's something like of a criminal nature, like, uh, or, and, and they're more interested in the way a judge appears in public. They don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want a judge who looks drunk who's on drugs and drunk, um, you know, a scandalous thing like that. But they don't investigate when your judge doesn't follow the law. They told me anything that a judge does or writes that can be appealed, they will not investigate. And just because you can appeal it, it doesn't mean you have the ability financially to file an appeal, and it doesn't mean that you will win your appeal, even if it's meritorious. So there really is no remedy Regarding the judiciary. So we have a real problem and, uh, I point out that like anything in your life where you have an issue, it ends up at the courts. That's like your last stop. Look at the election. There was all the issues with the election. Where did it end up? At the courts. You know, whatever your, whatever issue it is, it ends up at the courts. And when you're dealing with a court that Without integrity, with a pattern of honest services fraud, uh, political motivations, many of them are activists. You have nowhere to turn. We're, we're a society without um, without an impartial judiciary. So, yeah, it's it's really it's courtzilla. <laughs> courtzilla, you yeah. um, know. Any more questions, Jeff?
2: Well, you know, the thing that just really gets me is uh, the corruption here is so obvious and so blatant that it could not continue without active cover-up. I mean, it just could not. And um, the idea that this goes on, and there sits your governor and your legislature who – uh, they say, oh, it's a separate branch of government and we can't interfere. No, you make the laws that they're supposed to adhere to. And exactly. That isn't up to them to, to decide that, well, we're not going to you know, abide by that law. We don't want to. Um, it's only a crime well, if, if you, you do it. Mm-hmm. If we do it, right. you know. And you
0: know,
2: it's just, and, you know,
3: the one judge that I had, this one judge I had, who the one that fell asleep on the bench who yeah. sat on my divorce trial. And by the way, he was not even the judge assigned. He hijacked the case. He actually said to me during a hearing, a proceeding, and the proceeding took place not during regular court hours. Threatening okay. me, I have, we- I have weapons in a drawer here that I can use on you. What do you mean weapons? You mean a gun? You're gonna shoot me? You're gonna shoot, or you're gonna stab me? Like, And they don't find what? that? like yes it's in the transcript so i mean this is the and they didn't and this guy they wouldn't take any um recourse against them of course when i filed my judicial conduct board complaint my ex-husband's attorney was the chair of the judicial conduct board and this is another problem where they don't have you know they it's not independent the judicial conduct board, well pennsylvania you have sitting judges you have Privately practicing attorneys. So, you know, where do you go? There's nowhere to go. And you know what? Yeah. I, I also remind you and uh, you know, listeners, you know, think about, like, Twitter and Facebook. It starts out with a few people, and it goes on. It snowballs, It gets worse and worse. So this is my case. Yeah. But it's, it's not like, well, we just got this one lady, you know. No. When they uh-huh. get away with it, I'm going to say something that uh, this woman told me um, uh, Several, many times she said it to me. She said, Elaine, they start out small or with a few people and they get away with it a little bit of money and it gets more and more and more. Or it starts out with a few people, right. gets more and more and more until it's everyone. And that's the danger. And you would think that there would be more organizations who would step in recognizing when you see how Twitter started out and Facebook, those type of things where they would put you yes. in Facebook jail or whatever they call it, you know, if you said yep. something they didn't like. And then before you know it, they were jailing, you know, kicking everybody off. Bread right. When you don't stop it in its tracks. Yeah. So I really, I really hope that some people like if, And by the way, anyone who does like Kindle you don't have to pay like i don't know how to do all these technology things and i don't have kindle anyone who has kindle the book is free to read you don't have to read it cover to There's cover no. like not, you know yeah. you know not everyone has time to sit down and read a book um all those pages but right. it's free to read on kindle um and you know and then if if you if you just buy it separately it's it's not real expensive if you want to look at the kindle I'm gonna to try to get it into some like libraries and see if I can you have to get it into yeah. like a catalogue. Um you have to it's not so easy to get into libraries. Um but I will try and I hope that some people yeah. can take a look at it. Um listen, you know it's not I'm not the only one. You saw Christine, uh Mary Ann, they they wrote books. Uh Mary Ann's in Pennsylvania yes. also, remember? Petrie? She's yes. in uh, yes. Yes. she's on Pittsburgh. She's out west, and then uh, and Christine, and she's not in yeah, Pennsylvania, but yeah, and yeah. I know another woman, another woman I know who wrote. Uh, she's not too far from the Philadelphia area. She wrote a book, um, Motherless America. So uh, this woman, Doreen Ludwig, she wrote that book. Um, so there are people writing books, but you know, yes, we're, we're we're just people. We're not celebrities. We're not celebrities. Right, and it's not easy. It's not easy. Who would even know to look for these books, you know, unless you're deep buried in this, you know, it's like quicksand. Um, one you of the ways now. to get
2: into, like, Barnes and & Noble and that is if people go in and request that title, they'll put it on mm-hmm. their list and start stocking it. And, um, oh, okay. So, All you right. know, if you can get your – yeah. And um, so you have okay. to have people go in and request it. Find out, they'll do a search, and it'll go on the list of books requested, and they'll get it okay. in. And so that's one okay. way to – to do it, and um, but we got about two minutes left here. I want to thank you for coming on. This has been a gripping story, and that you survived it is a testament to your strong will, and that you wrote this book. And I say it's quite well written. Um, just uh, uh, I, I, just don't know what to even say about this. I this is so late, the corruption, the abuse of the courts. Uh, The malfeasance, the threats to your person, and yet these people are still on the bench, and nothing is done to rectify this. And I think this is a prime example of how that far down the drain our judiciary has gone. Like I say, people no longer respect it. Um, It's basically a black eye to say you're a judge uh, because all it says to the person hearing it is you're corrupt actually yeah. are not I'm sorry you carried the label with everybody else but uh, yeah, that's right. Elaine I want to thank you for coming on this has been tremendous and we will be following up with you and then I got some things I want to talk to you too about offline I'll call you tomorrow um, yeah and I'll tell you and, thanks and, for people, coming on. and and
3: everyone look out go for ahead. book two book two is going to be coming soon yeah, um,
2: there you go I mean, girl there you go yeah, keep doing okay. it and um, All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in. had a nice audience, and uh, I'm always glad to see that. And for those of you who sent questions, I appreciate that, too. Um, We will be having a chat
3: room. I was going to say one thing, Marty. If anybody wants to contact me through you or through your radio, they're free to do that if anyone's interested in getting in touch
2: with me. Okay? Okay. All right. Um, We've got four seconds. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. And we'll have to say good night. (laughs) Good night.